they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. And good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King and we are here with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. Good morning, sir. Good morning. All right, go ahead. Let me have it. Oh, yeah. I I just told Merle I had a great question for him to lead off the show. I'm surprised that you're here today because... In Miami this weekend, it is the largest gathering of Bitcoin enthusiasts and cryptocurrency people ever. It's a big convention for cryptocurrency folks. Well, they invited me, but uh, I said, yeah, I'll pass. I also was at the... Uh, I wonder who paid for it. Um, it I don't, wasn't Bitcoin. I don't, I, well, I don't know, but <laughs> I, was at, I was at a mall in Eau Claire last weekend, and in the mall, in the middle of the mall, there was a, uh, a kiosk where you could buy Bitcoin. Sure. Um, do you know how that works? Because I think a lot of people listening, uh, I'm, well, not, I'm sure I'm not the only one that, A, doesn't know how cryptocurrency actually works. I understand you can buy and sell things online using it now. That's starting, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But the whole idea of what it is, where it comes from, how you get it, and, uh, and why you want it, I guess, is still a mystery to a lot of people. Sure. Um, oh God, it's as complicated as the question you're asking. So, so first of all, let's just use Bitcoin because that tends to be the nemesis of me is, you know, are and there, people are investing there, it and making and losing money? Yes, they th- are. There are a lot of younger investors that are using sure, this as sure. a big part of their portfolio, and, right? And what, what I think is kind of interesting about this is, is let, let me, I'll, I'll try to give the generic version of what, what Bitcoin is or cryptocurrency, but, um, I have cash app and the reason I have cash app is because we have 30 year old kids. And for God's sakes, for them to actually have a checkbook or use cash. So I have cash app on my phone. And in cash app on my phone, you go through and on the bottom, there's icons. Do you want to buy Bitcoin? No. Do you want to buy these stocks? No. Um, and so as I go through and I look at it, and hear what they're doing is they're opening up a uh, flash brokerage account, for lack of a better term. They're opening up a brokerage account on your behalf, and they're using themselves <clears throat> as essentially a digital broker and collecting the fees as a result of buying and selling the stuff. So in that, (coughs) pardon me, um, so in doing so, they're acting as a digital me, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but they're not disclosing to people, I don't believe, that they're actually collecting a fee for that. So when you're looking at the mall, somebody's saying, hey, buy some Bitcoin, uh, they're collecting a fee as a result of doing so. So in doing it, the original Bitcoin, there wasn't any sort of a fee when you were buying and selling it. You were just simply going into the, the Bitcoin program through some sort of a portal in one way or another, and you were buying or selling it from somebody else who was buying or selling it and through a bid and auction type of a scenario. Um, but now there's a lot of coin uh, places like, I believe, Coinbase is one, and others that are essentially, essentially acting as a broker to buy and sell it. So they have to buy inventory to sell you a piece of the inventory. And, of course, there's probably a, a markup or markdown or something of this nature as a result of it. We, we, we heard at the, at the beginning when Bitcoin first started out, a lot of people were getting it by mining it and mm-hmm. uh, mining it online. And uh, is there a finite amount of Bitcoin or can, are people still out there, quote unquote, mining it or finding it online without paying the fees, without buying and selling? Yeah, so far, and again, it, I'm a little cloudy on this particular part of it, folks, because I do not consider myself an expert on Bitcoin. I just know enough of it to know that it's not the right thing for me. And I don't recommend it for clients. So, so Bitcoin is a computer program. That's it. Doesn't hold any assets. 
doesn't make any money, doesn't have any sort of centralized administration or people monitoring it or fixing problems. There's no customer service. You know, it's just a computer program that was let loose. Well, how did it start? I mean, how, um, did somebody just by a just... person who has no name? <laughs> and I'm not. I can't make this up. Um, uh, the person has a um, pseudonym, created a program because you want to be able to transfer money around the world without governments and individuals interfering and in transferring money from one place to another. And so you created a program. We do know that uh, at least the general population knows it came in China. Um, I can't for the life of me think of the original founder's name, but they don't believe he's the original founder. Um, and uh, he started this program, and people started transferring money from one place to another. And it's based upon the trust that you'll pay, I'll pay. Well, that- and then there's a bunch of logarithms and blockchain that confirms the validation of who you are, who I am, and the values of the stuff going back and forth. That's the whole idea of, of putting a value on something, though, which, which confuses me because nothing is valuable unless enough people put a value on it. Correct. Uh, so, so now if enough value people go, if enough people in the same program think this isn't worth anything, guess what happens to the value? Well, how did it become valuable in the first place? How did enough people decide that? Black that markets. This- because you could be a drug lord in Colombia. And I could be a drug lord in Afghanistan, and we could trade our monies back and forth for the product that happened, and we could do it through Bitcoin, um, and we could do it uh, all in the dark of night, and nobody would notice. Because initially, there were no taxes, um, no capital gains tax to move money from one place to another. And I didn't know who you were, you didn't know who I was, and the government didn't know who either one of us were, and the money transferred around, and that became one of the biggest backbones to how money when cryptocurrency was traveling now that's that's changing right there are governments around the world who are starting to yeah, regulate the, it yeah and, the term is changing it hasn't changed but it's changing certainly uh, u.s government being one saying well if you're gonna you know make a million dollars in bitcoin you're paying taxes on that and so a lot of people and said what we have to pay taxes that's not how it was no no it's a computer program you know so does that change the way you look at bitcoin as an investment if the government's starting to monitor and regulate it a little bit more than they did in before? my opinion i think it actually makes makes it better um you know there's there's the uh, and i can't boy the brain is just not firing all cylinders here this morning tom there's a software engineer in massachusetts i know that and at one point in time in the earlier part of last year he had some 24 million dollars in bitcoin this is the guy that forgot his password or lost, his, his, password. lost his password yeah and according to the program you have 14 tries and after 14 tries it's gone and those shares are now redistributed back out to everybody else and he was like 11 in or something um, and he knew where the computer was because he had tossed out the computer. Um, he knew where it was, and it was inside this landfill, and it was in these dates, and he offered half of it to the city to help dig it up. And the city said, we're, we're not doing that. Um, and so um, he's going to be out. Well, in the real world, we'd be able to call customer service and say, hey, I can authenticate who I am, prove to you who I am, prove to you I had all this sort of stuff, and you get a new password. Not there. Why? Because it's a computer program. There's no support. There's no background. There's no administration. There's no 800 number. It's a computer software program. Um, so, so that in itself makes it relatively difficult. So some of the stuff that bothers me as an investor, uh, you know, professional investor is what I do for a living. I'm sorry, financial professional. Yeah. i to get that name right. Mm-hmm. Um, is not that we have all these young people investing. That part is great. But they're investing in something that's not real. They're investing in a computer program. They're not investing inside of things that have a hard asset. And it's made so easy through, for example, my Cash App program. And now I'm seeing PayPal as the same thing. You can click a button and you can buy some uh, some Bitcoin. So um, in doing so, it makes it difficult because they're doing it 
for the right reason but a wrong product. I don't know if that makes any sense. When you talk about the uh, the fee that's charged, uh, we've talked on the show about when you buy and sell gold, you have to pay a premium when you buy it and, and pay a, a, a another fee when you sell it, mm-hmm. which always I found I find amazing that people would be willing to do that. Do that. Pay pay people a fee been doing on, it for uh, hundreds of years. on both ends. Yeah. Uh, is that the same way with the cryptocurrency? See, you know, the, what's interesting about it is since Bitcoin came out with a cryptocurrency in, in blockchain, um, there's now some uh, over 5,000, probably nearing 6,000 different cryptocurrencies that now exist. And so all of them, there's some version of a premium or a discount or a flat fee for buying and selling on your cryptocurrency. Um, so it's out there. I mean, it's already happening. So it just simply depends upon which one you have. Now, I have not um, looked into it, but somebody said that even Snoop Dogg had a cryptocurrency. Which his, his own personal cryptocurrency. His own personal cryptocurrency, which uh, on the is it dog piles? I mean, what are they called? I have no idea what it's. Uh, uh, I would imagine. Coin. I yeah. would imagine, and you're let's face it, you're old school when it comes to investments. As you as you've said many times on the show, you like companies that make money that uh, pay a premium or pay mm-hmm. a dividend and things like that. Yep. Old school. Uh, I would imagine you have younger clients that come in and say they want cryptocurrency or they want bitcoin as a part of their portfolio (laughs) you beat them until they leave (laughs) (laughs) it's Uh, my kids that ask me these questions i mean hey what do you think about cryptocurrency and i just shake my head and go oh no you know so um, don't don't you feel though at sometimes that you're missing out on getting in on the ground floor of something no no i don't because i don't think the ground floor has been established yet i think the ideas came about and the idea created some sort of a, a monetary value out of thin air um, and I, again, I've, I've said many times personally, I'm not against cryptocurrency. I'm just against the, the versions that are out right now. And something else, something's going to come along that's going to work out great. The whole idea of doing blockchain back and forth is working out brilliant. Our military and businesses are using it for transferring data all over the place because you can't w- hack into it. Um, though I do have to admit for our friends that are out there in the, uh, the Bitcoin market who think that nobody's looking, uh, the FBI uh, knows how to hack into it and break into it now. So. Um, so that's already been done, so they can see what you're doing. So well, we're eventually, seeing, we've had a lot of stories about, about uh, you know, large amounts of cryptocurrency that have been impounded by the feds in these uh, drug yeah, investigations yeah. and all these other things. Yeah. So, so they learned how to already break into the stuff, and so the whole anonymity um, of uh, cryptocurrency is is pretty much done. And so eventually, you're going to have to start paying taxes that whole bit. So uh, when the government there's, there's, does there's that, a... when the government <clears throat> impounds millions of dollars in cryptocurrency from drug investigations or whatever. How do they then move that into the treasury? Uh, do the, how do they how do they convert it and move it into the treasury then? You know, somehow they're either going to have to be inside of the the actual uh, blockchain uh, uh, directly and, and sell it, um, or they're going to have to go through one of the uh, the blockchain cryptocurrency like a Coinbase or something like that and sell it through there and turn it actually into U.S. dollars. Um, I, I'm fairly certain that's the direction it's going to have to go. There's a number of places of the you know the big hedge fund managers, and I don't want to name the name in case I got the name wrong, but um, they have said that they predict that eventually net, uh, Bitcoin is going to be worth zero. I don't know if that's the case. It almost seemed that way to me because eventually there's going to be somebody who's going to come up and they're going to have everything right. They're going to have something right where they're going to have a cryptocurrency uh, that you can still exchange around the world, which, by the way, I think is a, a great idea. Um, um, I just, uh, for example, just got, uh, I shouldn't say whacked, but I was charged 200 bucks. Uh, because of currency exchange between, uh, you know, my credit card and uh, when I was in Africa here a few weeks ago. Um, and so I look at that and say, well, geez, that, you know, Bitcoin, or I should say blockchain, however you want to say it, cryptocurrency, that'd all be done because it'd be the same on either end. Um, so how handy would that be to just be able to do that back and forth? And even if you're a big 
multinational corporation, you're buying something in England and you have to set up letters of credit and that whole bit. No, you just do pay it through a cryptocurrency, you're done. Somewhere, somehow, a country, an organization, something of this nature will set it up where all that stuff is going to work. It's going to be denominated back to wherever you live. Um, and at the same time, there's going to be customer service, a person, somebody who can call in case something's wrong. You know, somebody's going to get all that stuff right. Uh, somebody will have it nailed. Um, it'll be pegged to something, um, and it'll work well. Um, and until that day, I, I just don't think a lot of the stuff that's out there right now is going to do us much good at this point in time. All right, we're going to take a break. At www.makemeafirefighter.org. It's Must Hear Radio. On the left, the language they use and what they call one another. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins. Twitter is like just the absolute drainage pipe of human civilization, right? Catch up on the entire week, Saturday at 3. Hold on, why are you laughing, Robbins? Because you were laughing. No, I was not. You- on AM 550, FM 99.9 and 95.1. You know, that's just mean. I'm not going to pile on. WSAU. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies. And, folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, along with Merle Kelch, Kelch & Associates in Wausau. You know, Tom, we had an article from, uh, again, one of my favorite economists, uh, Brian Westbury from First Trust out of Chicago. And so he had an article that he has a, a weekly thing he puts out every Monday morning. And so I tried to catch up with it, and uh, this morning he had something that's kind of particularly interesting to me. Um, and just wanted to kind of put this out there and share with us with uh, you know, whoever you want to, but um, you can find this information if you go to firsttrust.com um, if you want to look up the actual article itself. But in here, he's talking about um, stagflation. And we're going to start hearing a lot about stagflation coming up. And it was a term that was used back in the 70s. Um, and it, it has really kind of stuck around there today. It was a, a combination of inflation and stagnancy and inside of an economy and blended together to create stagflation. So with stagflation, it essentially is uh, where inflation is too much money chasing too few goods. Um, stagflation is too much money in an economy that's dropping. Um, you're having a slow economy and a bunch of inflation that's not going away, um, all the 70s. So when we take a look at the 70s, we started having stagflation. We started having uh, all kinds of problems. Interest rates were going up to try to combat inflation, and it wasn't working. Uh, so finally what happened is he had to have Volcker came in and increased interest rates to 20% and killed the economy and started over again and had to reboot it. I thought it was those uh, wind buttons that we wore that, uh, that solved the problem. Whip inflation. Now, you're too young to remember, oh, the, I wind, don't remember those. the wind no. buttons yeah, that yeah. Uh, people were wearing. Well, uh, what's interesting is, um, who was the president back then, President Biden? Oh, no. Um, it was, uh, it was Carter, a, but Jer- they're Jerry acting Ford, the same. Jer- Jerry Ford and Jimmy Carter, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're oh. acting the same. Sorry. Um, but one of the problems that came in back then is we had the inflationary pressures going up. We had interest rates come back. The inflation, it wasn't working. The economy started slowing down. We had the embargo from OPEC uh, that stopped it and roads drove uh, fuel prices coming up. Um, and then at the same time, you had the Carter administration increase taxes. And so much of the same stuff that we're seeing right now. And so as a result of the uh, yield curve inverting over the course of the last couple of weeks here a little bit, um, uh, though it is straightened out a little bit this week, but it inverted last, um, we're starting to see, see the same term starting to pop out and saying, are we going to go back to that 70s style type of stuff? Are we having stagflation? And is it going to become part of the problem? 
Um, and we don't know the answer to that yet. But one of the things that uh, happened, as they said, and these aren't Merle's words, um, he said with the end of the BBB, the Build Back Better uh, agenda, some 1.6 million jobs came back since the beginning of the year, which has really helped to stave off this. And as people start getting back to work, we really have a shot of not having stagflation. Um, so hopefully that's the case. And so in here to solve this, they said, is that we need to drop taxes, we need to lower regulation, and we have to uh, get back to an open market economy rather than having the government continue to keep people, uh, getting people uh, money. And in doing so, it sounds terrible, but if we keep giving people money, they don't get back to work, um, and we don't have the jobs, and we don't have the supply chains fixing them, supply chains fixing themselves. And so, well, wait, well, wait, good but, or but, bad but, and different. But, but, but wait a minute now. Uh, the, the unemployment rate is the lowest it's been since 1968. So you can't no, tell no, me no. that people are not working and not going back to work. But, there but are, there are still, more jobs than there are people available. Yeah, but we're still uh, down over a million jobs from what we had pre-pandemic. Uh, there's not as many jobs that are out there. There are people working, but there's not as many jobs. There's still a whole bunch of jobs that are lost, just not coming back. So we have to get those people working again. And, and so part of that, what's interesting to me is... How do you get people working when, when the, there are no people to work? I mean, the jobs can come back all they want, and we've got companies looking for people to work, but there are no people available to work. We need everybody to work. The unfortunate part is when we kept giving money out as a country, uh, there were people who weren't going back and were waiting for something more to come. I, I know personally people who are doing that. Um, so we have to have everybody get back to work that can. Um, what I thought was interesting in this whole thing, Tom, very much in a positive sense, and even you'll appreciate this, you know, you just rolled your eyes at me. I, I did. Because I'm sure I'm not going to appreciate, appreciate it, but go ahead. You're going to appreciate this, Tom. <laughs> you know, we look at this stuff, and, and today we have um, companies that are making pay go up for jobs that almost anybody can get um, because we need them. And we're seeing wages go up, which is fantastic. Walmart just announced they're going to start between 95 to a hundred and some thousand dollars to drive truck for Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to send you to school. They started a new school in Texas to send you to school for to learn how to do that. Um, and so we look at some of these jobs. But outside, of, great but outside of stealing people from other companies to take those jobs, where are the people going to come from to work them? The unemployment level is the lowest it's been in 50 years. There's just no people to, to take the jobs. You know, what I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to end up having people from lesser jobs on the ladder to uh, more advanced jobs on the ladder and earn more money. Um, so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to end up, we've talked about this before though, and you're in favor of this, um, allowing people to immigrate into the country as long as we know who they are and where they come yeah. from mm-hmm. to take these jobs, because let's face it, a, a number of industries, whether it's factories, whether it's trucking, whether it's farms are going to need immigrant labor if yeah, they're going to fill the jobs they have. As long as we know who they are, um, or the ones that are coming illegally, we just bust them to DC. Okay. 715-845-2155. We need to take a break for some news. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. This is a St. Jude moment. Ashton was a high-level athlete, and in a, an instant, your world flips, and your healthy five-year-old competitive cheerleader has a brain tumor. And the physician was like, your best option is St. Jude. Receiving treatment that was life-saving for our child and knowing that that treatment would be of no cost to us was a huge weight lifted. Learn more at stjude.org. I'm Tom King, WSAU News. Citizens in Eastern Ukraine. Deputy Sheriff's Association taking training to the next level because lives are on the line. 
The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. Let's go to the phone this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? This is Mark. Hey, go ahead. You're on with Merle. Morning, Mark. Hey, uh, good morning, Merle. The uh, reason why there's no people that, according to Tom, that uh, everybody's unemployment ran out. So that's why they're not counting those people. That's why there's so many people out there yet that are looking for a job, but they don't uh, they don't have any unemployment, so they're not registered as, as being unemployed. Yeah. Mark, I'm sure there's some of that, but at a large-scale um, standpoint, um, and, and I, actually, you know, Tom and I actually agree on this, and we don't agree on a lot of stuff, uh, but uh, in here, we just don't have enough bodies to cover the cost, cover the number of jobs that we have. You know, Mark, I don't know about you, but when I was a little kid, you know, I went to work at, uh, well, I didn't work at McDonald's or Hardee's. I worked at uh, Lee's, uh, you know, when I was in college. I worked, I worked at, at Chips, yeah. Yeah, yeah Lee's yeah. Charcoal House in college. But we went and we did those jobs, you know, and I worked back in the kitchen, and I scrubbed dishes and delivered pizzas and did all that sort of stuff. And it seems like our kids aren't doing that as much as they used to, but we still need to have those jobs filled. Um, and uh, even so much as going out, I used to work in the ginseng gardens and that kind of thing. And our kids aren't doing that. We don't need a lot more bodies in which to do so. And, and we're going to have to immigrate people. There's no doubt about it, but we need to know who we're immigrating. And that uh, tends to be where there's such a, a disconnect between people from all different well, walks of life. The caller, suge- you're suggesting that there are a lot of people whose unemployment have run out and they're still laying around and not working at all. Is that what you're suggesting? That's what I'm saying, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. See, I, don't, I don't know I don't know if that – thanks for the call. appreciate it. I, I'm not sure that's as, as – as, uh, is happening as much as, as some people think. Well, because, I, first of all, you still have to – pay rent and you have to pay for food and you have to pay for medicine and you have to pay for clothes. And if your unemployment's run out, um, you need to get that money somewhere. And this whole idea that you can sit around and get welfare without applying for work or without doing something for it, I think is a myth that is being driven by a lot of people in this country. I, I don't know the answer to that, but I, I think there's I think there's a lot more elasticity than maybe we both think as far as uh, people that are not uh, collecting unemployment and, and still looking for jobs. I think there's a, there's a swell of that, um, and I do believe that in the set of welfare system, there's a lot more that you can get without having to prove that you're working or looking for work than we might believe, um, especially in some states. Well, well, are there and are there people that try to scam the system and, oh, and don't want to work? Yeah. Sure, there there's, are. There's I mean, never an absolute either one of those right, sides. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. You had uh, something else that you wanted to touch on from an article you read? Yeah, I popped into an article this morning, folks, and I actually thought it was really good, especially... Um, as people are getting ready for retirement and retiring right now, you know, we have a number of clients who say, well, I'm getting ready to retire now and the market's going down. Am I going to be able to retire? And the answer is going to be, yeah, you'll be able to retire just fine. Um, but inside of here, they had three things that we have to take care of when we retire. Um, your, your future self will thank you for it. I'm and sure folks, I haven't done any of them, but okay. <laughs> I think you have actually. Um, but in here, folks, you know, we see there's, there's 10 articles a weekend on this sort of stuff. And this one just kind of popped into my head because they address a couple of different things. And I think it was a pretty good article. Um, so if you have the ability to get into Market Watch, uh, it's called Three Things to Take Care of When You Retire. Uh, your future self will thank you for it uh, by Liz 
Weston. This is kind of a lighthearted talk about some stuff, but things that actually have some things in the inside we have to look at. Now, one of the first things they say is to tweak your spending plan. And this is probably one of the bigger things we have to do for maybe about half the clients we see. Um, you know, Tom, you know, like you, you're making $250,000 a year. <laughs> this is the radio business, remember. <laughs> well, Come yeah. Yes. So, um, you know, so people are making a great living. They're working. Um, they're eating out all the time. They're driving around. There's uh, two cars going back and forth. You know, the big house and that whole bit you're going through and saying, well, retirement's not going to look like those numbers. It's going to be somewhere yeah. half. Yeah, I mean, the disposable income for me, <clears throat> it, it's the eating out. Uh, I, I spend way too much money uh, uh, not not eating at home. Yeah. yeah. Um, me too. I mean, um, I could take a sandwich to lunch for every day for work, and, and, and I don't. Um, you know, so I'm usually someplace, which is also the reason that my waist is a size is from the same thing. <laughs> Um, which is weird. I found myself losing weight, Tom, when I started having salads for lunch. Mm-hmm. Huh, Funny how that happens. Weird. Of course, yeah. you lost your will to live, too, as well, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I only have one <laughs> hand left because I ate the other one. But, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> thank God I'm left-handed because the right one's entirely gone now. Mm. Um, but, anyway, you know, a lot of us, we don't tweak our spending plans as we start coming up in retirement saying, what's retirement going to look like? And, and I'll actually, I'll regularly tell clients, well, you got to practice retirement. And sometimes they look at me like I have some sort of a screw loose or something. But, yeah, we have to practice that. What is it going to look like during retirement? What's our income going to look at? And you can look at this stuff two or three years before retirement. You get a fairly good predictor of what income is going to look like during retirement. And as part of that, you look at it and say, okay, well, we need to start getting our budget into this because it looks like retirement is going to be. Unless you're one of the people who have been you know, uh, uh, blessed enough to have enough assets to generate the same income you had prior to um, retiring. But for most of us, it's always a little bit of a, a tick down. But you have to practice what that spending plan is going to look like in actually setting yourself a budget. One of the best things I've ever had is a client that lives up in Tomahawk. He said, I set my budget during retirement that I could live on 20% of what I take out. And I said, well, why would you do that? He said, well, I still want to put some money inside of savings because things always still to come up. He said, so I always set it up that way that I can live on 80% of what I'm going to take out for retirement. I always thought that was some pretty good advice doing it that way, making sure you're still putting some money in savings. Even though you're retired, you still put some money inside of savings in the checking account. Um, because you know the roof is going to leak or the tires are going to go bad in the car or car breaks down, whichever the case may be. So in here, what I thought was an interesting conversation is they said, uh, and I'm reading verbatim, it says, traditionally retirees encourage are encouraged to withdraw a certain percentage of their investments. The first year, 4% was a popular figure, and then increase it by the amount of inflation each year. Um, and they're saying, well, now maybe we just start leave 5% and just leave it for several years and don't inflation adjust it. Um, unless we need it, we start having to have some more income. You know, in 30 years of this business, I've always used 5% for withdrawal rate for clients, and I encourage people to not go more than that. And um, we'd have 5% coming out for withdrawal rate, and we take the money out later on when people need to take some more money. But I always found it was interesting. If you're 65 years old and you start taking out 5%, uh, by the time you're 70 or 72 years old, rarely do I have people saying, well, I need more money. Um, and what usually ends up happening is that you end up doing less between 65 and, yeah. say, 75. Mm-hmm. Um, and the dollar amount tends to be about the same, what I thought was uh, kind of interesting as the years went on. And that we'd find people do is as the assets grew over those years, um, they would start giving some more money out to, uh, you know, churches or kids or that type of stuff, start giving them distributions of the assets. They say, well, we're just not spending it anymore. So you I can't, that was you can't eat rich food anymore the older you get. You can't uh, move around as well, so you can't do the traveling you once uh, did. Yeah. Tom, at 57 right now, uh, uh, the food's starting to get limited. I seem to keep waking up at 5 in the morning. and you know, <laughs> 57, man, that's a little yeah. young for that to Naps. be happening. Yeah, well, okay. Well, the body's worn out. You I know, see. All right, yeah. So, so tax advice is some really good stuff to have. 
um, especially in today's day and age when things are just spinning around so much and changing so much. Um, having somebody that you know that does taxes are pretty good. I've had clients where you say, well, I just do my own taxes, and I finally have to say, you know, stop doing it. You're screwing them up. Have somebody else do it. And so I re, you know, re, refer all the names of a couple of people, uh, you know, tax preparers or CPAs or whichever is needed for the client. Say, just have them do it. It's, it's going to be worth it because you're not going to make mistakes and problems for yourself well, along the way. I think I spent a little over $100 to have my taxes done, and I could probably do them myself, but the, the frustration and uh, anxiety of doing them, plus, as you said, with all the rules and regulations, I would undoubtedly screw it up yeah. somewhere. That, that $100 is the best $100 I spend every year. Sure. Uh, Tom, I went to school for finance yeah. in, in accounting, and I've taken income tax accounting. I had to take it twice. Uh, one year I dropped out because there was a concert I wanted to go to. and <laughs> well, I never prior- said that I was really good in school. Co- college priorities, you know. Yeah, so, so I took the class again, and then I'm really happy that I did. But what's interesting is for prior to 1985, uh, all the rules were pretty much the same. And after 1985, all the rules were the same until the last number of years. So I went to school to do taxes and do tax preparation. And at one point in time, we actually did them for clients. Um, and I don't do any anymore. In fact, I don't even do mine anymore because the rules are changing so quickly. I just... It's not that I can't keep up with everything else that goes on in business and life. You don't have a chance to take a you know income tax class every year anymore. It just gets changed. So get a good tax person. Have a person that has the ability to do your taxes for you. Um, especially as we start coming up in the new, you know, higher tax brackets and brackets that come up at seventy two. As well as the rules change for now small businesses. If you have a small business and you're doing retirement, doing something, there's new tax rates and the thing how that's done on uh, new taxes for small businesses. Imagine that, Tom. Uh, the Trump era put in uh, new taxes for small businesses, and they were higher. Interesting. I got to pay those this past year. It was great. Let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Uh, this is John. Hey, John. You're on with Merle. Go ahead. Morning, John. <clears throat> hey, Merle. Hey, Merle. I've got a yes. question for you concerning um, the carbon credit allowances and the trading of these carbon credits. Uh Apparently, like the state of California has this carbon credit program, and apparently it's big in Europe also. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on uh, this carbon credit trading uh, scenario and what your thoughts are. As an investment? Uh, Yes. I, I don't know much about them as an investment, I have to be honest. As I understand them, and, and I may have entirely wrong here, John, and if I do, um, please tell me, and if it's needed, I'll, I'll, I'll dig in more. But the carbon credits are really, as I understand them, a uh, made-up thing that was going on between companies that pollute more versus companies that don't, and essentially having a trade-off throughout the course of a municipality or a government of some nature, either locally or statewide. Uh, I guess, where you could exchange that to pollute more for a certain dollar amount yeah. versus somebody let's, who could pollute less. I let's let the caller tradable. Maybe the caller can explain to us how how do you look at these as an investment? How how are they an investment for you? Well, they there are a number of ETFs that trade in these carbon credits. Okay. Okay. And my understanding is there's actually a limited number of them, a fixed number of carbon credits. And they're actually decreasing in quantity uh, every year. So your thinking is that they're, they're going to become rarer, and that means they'll become more valuable? 
Well, as these polluting companies, say uh, uh, a paper mill or or say like a steel mill would be a good example, or a cement manufacturing company would be a good example, is they have a very, very high carbon footprint, but they so they would be a buyer of credits to... Offset their pollution, yeah. yeah. Offset the pollution aspect of their industry. Yeah. So and, in here, John, I would have to say that I appreciate you turning me on to this because... Um, you know, and something tradable, I'm not sure how they're doing it with an ETF. Um, I never claim to know everything, but this is new to me. Um, but it's something I'd, I can I'd give like you a name of one of the ETFs if, you, if I can do that over the phone. Please do. They're over the air. Go ahead. Huh? Go ahead. Please do. Uh, one of them is called Crane Shares. Uh, oh, what is the symbol here? Uh, hang on. The actual name of it is. Well, crane crane shares uh, carbon allowance ETF. The symbol is K E U A. I tell you what. Why don't be the Europe? Why don't we have be the European one? Why don't we have Merle do some investigating on this, and we'll talk about it on next week's show. All yeah, right? it's going to have to be next week. That. Be that Thanks for the call. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks, John. Let's uh, sneak one more call in here before our break. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hey, good morning, guys. This is Tim outside of Rhinelander. Hey, Tim, go ahead. Good morning, Tim. Hey, um, I, I like your uh, your Saturday morning show. There's a lot of great information that you guys share. I just it. wanted to make a quick comment on, uh, just a minute ago, you were talking about uh, it being a myth that people could live. Gee, I uh, knew somebody would call. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, if you if you spend five minutes in the housing industry and walk around an apartment building at one o'clock in the afternoon and... and uh, and understand just how many people are sitting around watching Jerry Springer or Oprah Winfrey yet, you will understand that between Social Security and disability and WIC and uh, um, Badger Care and all the things that are given out that are really not regulated once you, once you apply and qualify for it, um, you'll realize that there is a, a growing population of people who are able to sit around and collect housing and utility allowances and food allowances and health care allowances and all these things on the backs of the people who are paying taxes. All right. Well, some so, of those, of course, are, are some it, of that is some of that it, is some of that is true. But what you're what you're talking about, a lot of those programs are for working mothers with children. Uh, and maybe the people that you see sitting around during the day watching Jerry Springer, maybe they work the night shift. How do you know? I mean, right. You're, you, you're just, you, once you once you spend time in the housing industry, you know. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Obviously, a, a landlord that has probably dealt with some of those problems. Well, I've, I've heard about it too. You know, people that are having a being able to, I, to, and to I have a life. A, on look, the I know it's out there. I just don't think it's as prevalent as some people would have you believe that that it's that it's uh, it's. And first of all, I would imagine it's not particularly easy to do. And second of all. These people aren't getting rich doing it. So, I mean, the idea that they're passing up a job that pays $40 an hour to collect. I mean, WIC is for, for kids that, you know, for children to eat. I mean, some of these yeah, programs we, we, are badger we, care. We're, we're probably on the verge of opening up a whole wormhole. We already have. And, I'm, uh, I'm sure that, the, uh, that there are people screaming <laughs> at the radio. Let's do right this now. Monday. We'll do this right, Monday. All right. Show. I'll, I'll, take a, I'll take a break here. We'll come back with more if you have a question for Merle. A question for Merle. Uh, that, that give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now, this... Seven Kids Now, paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
He said, what? What can possibly explain this weird left-right disparity? Could it be that leftists love big government and willingly submit to its control over every aspect of their lives? Conservatives revere the Constitution. Outlaw Radio with Magic Matt Allen. With its guaranteed freedoms. Saturday nights. And reverence for individual liberty. Sunday nights on WSAU. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau, 715-845-2155. But we're running out of time here. You had something else. So one more thing on that well, list. Well, let's finish of this off just for fun. Yeah. <clears throat> Folks, we start out with an article that just simply uh, said, three things you need to take care of when you retire your future self. Well, thank you. An article by Liz Weston. And so in here, the last part of it, we uh, actually went through just a quick summary. Uh, we went through and said, tweak your spending plan. Make sure you have a budget as you're going in retirement. Um, whatever that might be. So, Tom, if you need 300 bucks a month for shoes, put it in your budget. Shoes? Me? Well, I don't know. Sometimes I, you I never have, sexy. I, you know, I, I never have more than maybe three pair of shoes in the house at, at one time. I know people that have 40, 50, 60, 100 pairs of shoes. I, I can never I understand. I have a problem. Um, <laughs> get good tax advice, folks. Get a you know get an accountant to help you out. It's a tax repair. Those are the doing to help you through retirement. So you don't have to go through. The rules are changing quickly and fast. And as we get older, we think slower. Um, I'm the epitome of that at this particular point in time. Um, I'm still only wearing one shoe. Yes, last night we were out for dinner. We saw somebody had a boot on one foot and a pink croc on the other. I'm not sure if they were making a statement or they had something wrong with one of the feet. Maybe they have bunions or corns or something they're dealing with. Finally, the last one, which is the part that I'm terrible at, which is to attend to your health. Um, I've tended so much to my health. I've watched it gain and grow over the course, especially the last uh, seven or eight years. And I need to go backwards on that. And so uh, I'm going to start walking and not from buffet line if to e- buffet line. If everyone was like you, Merle, I would be investing heavily in healthcare facilities uh, around I the world. I think you should because I'm probably going to be spending a lot of them over the course of the next mm. several years. So tend to your health, and that's all I got in my uh, part of the world. Well, I've got one more story I saw on CNBC this morning that I found kind of interesting. Obviously, with the invasion of Ukraine and the widening war there. Uh, and all of the changes that we have seen, I mean, for the last 20 years, all the talk has been about one economy, one global economy, and everything mm-hmm. is interchangeable. Everything is uh, intermingled uh, in economics, the economic sense with all the countries around the world. We're seeing that change a little bit now. We saw it change with China with the tariff situation and now challenges with, you know, the sanctions against Russia and some of the other countries. So. What is that? The question they're asking in this article is, what does that mean for both challenges and opportunities for American businesses and investors when you're looking yeah. at a climate that is moving away from globalization into more uh, segmented things? You know, I, I let me let me share a quick story. And I only got a few minutes. Let me go back. There was a company here in town made windows, lots of windows, did a really good job making windows. They still do, by the way. Um, but they sold about 80 percent of their windows to a company that built houses. So now in the 70s, the houses stopped getting built. And it almost killed the company that did windows because they did all their business with one company. doesn't make any sense. Another friend of mine uh, uh, built uh, uh, products that they built for the military. So they built all the stuff for the military, um, you know, 60%, 70% of the business with the military. The military says, okay, we're done. That was that canceled the contracts. And so now they're sitting there with all the staff and the equipment, everything else. Was, well, how, what do we do? And so they had to scramble how to redo it. So then why would we then as a country be so international? By the way, and I'm a huge uh, free trade around the world type of person. But why would we strategically have it so that we're buying all of our fuel from one country 
or in the United States, we're you know buying uh, most of our uh, ingredients for our medicines from one country. Why would we do that? It doesn't make any sense to me. But from a global standpoint and how the globalization was happening, um, I think Russia is is causing a, a strain on that by all stretches of the imagination. Not only from not trading from Russia, but also, you know, Ukraine was the breadbasket of the world. I mean, they had a lot of grains, a lot of stuff. They not just out of grain. There. I mean, if you look at and it, it, and it, and it's, it may not come this year. You yeah, know, and their you, growing season is coming still, and they may still be able to be able to get some of that done. But you look at all the other things, all of the other materials that. Uh, the world uses from Ukraine and the fact that this war is going to jeopardize all of that. Mm -hmm. um, it certainly is a serious thing when you look at that and how it's going to affect businesses around the world. I mean, that's yeah. just one more problem that everybody's going to have to deal with. Right, right. All right. Uh, all right, we've solved that part of the world. We're almost out of time. So if folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Folks, you can come visit us, 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Wausau, Wisconsin. We'll talk about this and many other subjects. Uh, stop on and visit us. 715-849-3600 to call us toll-free. Outside of Wassa, 866-355-5100. Or find us online at kelsonassociates.com. All right, and you're going to do research on uh, the Research uh, on the ETF ETFs because I, I have a big carbon interest credits. interesting to me. Yeah. We'll talk about that next week. Very good, and thank you again, John. All right, we've got the news on the way. The Polka Show is coming up. Brewer baseball scheduled today. Hopefully the weather will cooperate at Wrigley Field, and you can hear the Brewers and the Cubs right here, pregame show at 1245. Question, what will you find on all over-the-counter or OTC medicine packages to help you choose the right drug and use it safely? The answer, the drug facts label. 